another episode of Visionary Focus um, podcast. We've got a we've got an awesome guest today. He's an absolute beast in terms of out, organic outbound marketing, and I'm sure many other things. So you guys can learn a lot from him today. Um, welcome, Connor. Um, yeah, Connor Robertson me. to the podcast. How's it going? It's it's going good. I'll, I'll be uh, looking like sideways here and at the camera today. We'll try to get you both uh, both set up. So thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and a little bit about your background. Yeah. So uh, to make a long story short, I grew up in Canada, did a four-year degree there, uh, became a chiropractor in the U.S., did a five-year doctorate, and then um, practiced for a couple of years. And, and one of the things I realized was it is very hard to be able to scale local business that your your only audience is basically within the area, right? So like within mm. 10 miles, 20 miles. So basically met my business partner, Keith Cronin, um, started doing some management consulting for, for his firm um, and, and teaching people uh, around medical sales and product sales and stuff like that to chiropractic, PT, that kind of industry. And then we started branching off into LinkedIn, um, email, text, all the outbound channels and started really learning how to do that. We did less consulting, more marketing, and then got bigger and bigger and bigger and kind of became um, well-known in the outbound space, right? A lot of people know mm. us as the outbound email guys, the outbound LinkedIn guys. And as we started climbing that ladder of, hey, we're getting better, we have more people, we have more money, we hire more people, we get better. I went through that positive cycle, which basically led us to you know become one of the best online in terms of volume of, of outbound. So today we have mm -hmm. a company, a few different offers, we have a paper positive reply offer. We got a paper booked call offer. We have a LinkedIn offer. We have a Facebook group offer. We got a bunch of different things. The common thread is B2B service-based companies that have a high ticket offer online and mm -hmm. want to scale that, but don't have the budget for ads or just don't want to run ads. So that, that's what we do today. Mm, that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, you also have a Facebook group as well that I've noticed that you dropped a lot of value on a regular basis. I see that. I think you're, you're quite big on content, putting out like, high quality content out there. I think what, it's important. Like, I, I do think it's really important, right? I, um, when I first started, I thought just outbound all day, right? Run more email, hmm. more LinkedIn, whatever. But then I realized like when you do podcasts like this and you put together the content, if you keep it short, fast, um, to the point and don't have a lot of this kind of messing around in between, people will actually watch the content. And, and when they watch the content, if you are educational, meaning you actually tell them how to do the thing that they're trying to do, they actually respect mm -hmm. it more than like, Hey, buy my thousand dollar course or take my five thousand dollar program or whatever like we yeah. give everything we know how to do up front there's a couple things we don't because they're super technical but like 99 percent of everything we do it's it's right there it's up front and free so that, that's mm. kind of our mentality yeah but uh, most people don't like this is the thing you could you could give out all the advice you want all day but a lot of people aren't going to follow through because sometimes they might just be missing a piece of the puzzle so i think that's where you guys all right. And you guys can help people with that as well. For, for sure. I mean, going from DIY, right? Do it yourself to done with you to done for you, that transition, it gets more expensive and more laborsome, the, you know, the further mm -hmm. you go um, up the chain, but you get better results, right? The things that we do done for you, we get the best results with because we control the whole ecosystem and, and our staff mm. is accountable to us and the corporation. We're accountable to the clients and they done with you in a DIY there's two problems. Clients suck, right? They don't actually do what they're supposed to do and they don't listen, right? And so if, mm. you're, if you're not good at what you're trying to do and you don't listen, it's like a recipe for disaster. So that's the yeah. biggest thing is that people, you know, really need to focus on being good at what uh, what they do and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and listen to people. So I agree with you. Implementation is everything. 
Hmm. And I want to roll back a little bit. How did you first discover, like, you know, outbound marketing? How did you even yeah. dive deep into it? Because yeah. you were a consultant before, but like, how did you discover this entire space? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so my parents, they've been recruiting um, talent acquisition headhunters in the medical sales space for 22 years, right? They started in 2000. My dad, you know, left his job. My mom left her job. They built a recruiting firm together pretty much overnight, right? Obviously it took 10 years to, to build it up, but they mm. just one day said, we're going to do that. I took all the things I learned from them, watching them build recruitment, candidate placement, job postings, finding new clients, hiring people, like well, that whole process. We took that and said, hey, if that works for recruiting, couldn't that work for other B2B service-based offers? And so we just took pieces of that and that's how we started. We started with LinkedIn automation. I remember the tool we had at the time, it doesn't even exist today, um, but we started with just a little bit and then did a little bit more and then started stacking all of the skills um, within outbound and said, okay, well, recruiting's one vertical. Let's do it for everybody. Mm, that's good. And what made you want to switch kind of like expertise? Because you were, you were a chiropractor beforehand. So it's a little yeah. bit of a major shift. And I mean, you are, you kind of had already that knowledge from like even seeing your parents doing what they were doing. You already had that you kind of had like your mind worked in a certain way where you could do business by yourself yeah. at, a, at, a, at a good level, right? So why did you decide to switch over? Yeah, so I think there's two things you brought up there, right? Thing number one is, you know, skill set, right? Every skill is developed over time. Doesn't matter how good or how bad you are at when you start, but you have to develop the skill. I developed the skill of learning and watching, right? I got really good at learning how to learn. Um, and so that allowed me to watch people, see what they're doing well, take that and then put it into my own systems, right? That was the first mm. skill that I, that I learned. The other part is we still do a lot of healthcare consulting today. Actually, we have a patient Rhino. That's a company we do med spa consulting for. There's about 300 customers in that company. Um, some done for you with ads, some consulting, sales training, consult training. So we're still in the medical space. We've got mm -hmm. a couple other projects, paradigm development group and a couple other, you know, PT Cairo um, marketing and sales things. So that still fits in that consulting role. But we realize like skills are transferable, right? You don't have to do the same thing with the same people for the same amount of time forever. It's just not necessary. So mm. um, we took the skills and just went where the market was asking. They said, hey, we want more of this. We gave them more of that, right? That's just how mm. it works. So we just followed what people yeah. asked for. Mm. That's a good point. And what do you think is the most common issue do you see among most B2B businesses? I think it's numbers. So I think a lot of people say it's leads, right? Leads, lead flow. And I think that that's true, but the mm -hmm. numbers is the biggest thing. I just did a training this morning, actually, for one of our other companies and talking about, hey, if this is your revenue goal, here's how you do the backwards math to figure out what your daily or monthly or weekly goal is, what inputs mm -hmm. you need. A lot of B2B companies don't have any targets. They just say, yeah, I just want to do better than last month. Well, that's a problem because then you have no idea where you're going, right? So I think having good targets, good numbers, a good understanding of where you're trying to go is the most important thing, followed by making sure you have less customers who are paying you more per customer. The biggest lesson I learned was you could charge a customer 500 a month or 5,000 a month. And the person who's 5,000 a month is not 10 times more effort than the person who's 500 a month, but they're paying you 10 times more. Mm, right? Yeah, so I noticed that as well. Yeah. yeah, less customers, higher per customer is definitely the way. Because like I was I was reading the book, um, $100 million offer by Alex Ramosi, and he was saying that like your pricing actually, like if you're able to fulfill at a high level, you like putting a good price actually increases the value of whatever you're offering to whoever. So therefore, people are more likely to follow through to what you're teaching or what you're offering and appreciate more. So it's kind of a win-win situation at the end of the day. 
because you're making more money. They're more you're having you're attracting the right clientele, and it gives you space for you to fulfill to the fullest extent as well. hundred percent agree. Um, one of the things that I've noticed too is that customers don't listen. Doesn't matter how much they pay, there's still this non-listening factor. So what you have to do is you have to understand that not everybody's motivated by money. Some people are motivated by systems, time, freedom, like other factors. And when you do implementations or services for customers, you got to make sure you're selling the right thing and you're fulfilling them right thing. We got a guy right now, we had a guy last week and a guy this week that are both like, hey, I did this implementation and I didn't get the things that I was looking for. And I said, okay, well, what were you looking for? Oh, I'm looking for this, this, and this. Okay, well, you didn't tell us you're looking for this, this, and this. So how could we possibly deliver that, right? Mm. So I think that's a, you know, our team will take responsibility for that, but that's an accountability thing. Find out what's important to the person you're working with and then deliver your service around that important factor. Don't just deliver the same thing over and over and over again. That's, mm. that's really good. Like, I think another thing too is like setting expectations as well with whoever you're working. Like, this is like, from first-hand experience, I made this mistake and I've lost clients like this where like the expectations weren't clear. And so maybe the expectations were here, but it wasn't, it creates a lack of clarity. Therefore, once you fulfill the service, even if you do a good job, maybe they were expecting two, three X. Yes. And, you know, and so from then that lack of clarity creates a kind of like, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it creates friction and therefore something that's going to go. So I think yeah. setting expectations is a big deal communication, listening and, well. And ROI, right? I think a lot of people yeah. expect they put in money and they get 10 times their money back right away. And that's just not realistic. No. A good rule of thumb for most people is whatever money you put in, you get back the same amount of money in 90 days. That's a mm. target. Not like yeah. 50X your money in 90 days. You get all your money back. So you put in 10 grand into something, mm. you make 10 grand back in 90 days. And then everything mm. above and beyond that is a skill you've learned. Now, the way I look at it, even if you monetarily negatively ROI, let's say you put in 10,000 for a program and you only make 8,000. So you're mm -hmm. like, okay, I've lost two grand, right? But you've learned a skill now that you get forever. It's just like going to school. You might spend $100,000 to go to school, um, you know, university, college, whatever. Mm -hmm. What's the ROI there? You, you know, you spend $100,000 to go to school to make 40 grand a year. Like that's a negative ROI for three years, right? You're willing to do that yeah. trade, but you know, in business, you want your money back like that done mm, yeah yeah so people have to be realistic with themselves yeah but the thing i think the issue is that there's a lot of like unrealistic claims like people making some really crazy offers like 10 extra money in like two weeks or crazy things like that or four weeks you know and then people think oh like there's a lot of offers that are almost like insanely good but the thing is the fulfillment isn't as good and so there's a lot of them and it worked well especially like very high ticket offers with like funnels and stuff like that and so I think people like on average, they fall for it because it's becoming more and more common. But I think the one differentiator between like really good business owners that I've seen is being very authentic whenever you're talking to your clients. Like if you generally care about who you're working with and even the people you work around with, it's very hard. I've like many business owners I've met, every single one that's been quite successful has that authenticity. Yeah. Like every single one. And I think it comes down to really caring, right? I think it's caring. And then also really explaining to people that the solution you're providing is not the end all be all for their business. Right? Mm. Some of these guys come in and they think, okay, well, I'm paying you 10 grand. So you must save the day, fix my whole business. And it's like, listen, dude, like you're responsible for your business. I'm mm -hmm. responsible for my business. You're responsible for your business. We're not going to come in here for 10 grand and fix all of your stuff. Mm -hmm. right? 
Yeah. You're, we're going to fix a specific problem in this specific well, vertical that's going to help you solve this problem, right? And it's not going to be the end all be all. And they need to have that expectation. Some of them, they come back and they think, oh, well, you didn't save my business. Okay. Well, listen, that's not how it works, right? So that you're right. It goes back to expectations, but also people are totally unreasonable all the time. And even if you set good expectations, they're still unreasonable. Mm, yeah. Well, what do you think about business owners who think um, they can't? generate serious profits for their business with organic marketing or organic outbound and they think paid ads is the only way because i know a few out there who who still think oh i can only get paid ads is the only way for me i think uh, you know like they don't believe in organic marketing because they tried it and they weren't good at it therefore it just doesn't work right yeah what do you what's your message for those people out there yeah i mean that's that's a standard problem right i mean it's like anything else the paid ads work organic works both work together it, it really isn't a matter of if it works or if it doesn't work there's still rules, right? Whether you believe in gravity or not, it's still there, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it's, it's not a belief system, right? Um, it's, it's your ability to implement that strategy for your business. Not everything is the right fit, right? Not every platform is the right fit. Not every person is the right fit and not every marketing strategy is the right fit. However, there's always an organic strategy that will work. There's always a paid strategy that will work. And it's always a good idea to do multiple platforms with multiple strategies, some organic, some paid, right? That mm. unless you're like super, super good at one of those and you can just focus on it. Like for us, we're 95% organic outbound and like 5% paid inbound. Like we've, we just spent maybe $5,000 in the last two years on Facebook ads total. Well, right. Um, That's it. No. In two years, right? So most of ours is email, LinkedIn, SMS, voicemail, outbound dialing, like all that outbound activity. Yeah. Most of it is coming from that. And that's allowing us to be successful. We obviously have the Facebook group as well, which is kind of in between, right? It's not paid, yeah. but it's not outbound. It's kind of inbound. Mm -hmm. Like people come to the group, they yeah. the group and they have an experience, but yeah. it's still organic because we're not paying to get traffic there. Mm -hmm. Oh, like what got you to create that Facebook group? Yeah. So I'm a big, like, if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to have to do it just to prove you wrong kind of thing. We had a yeah. guy tell us, there's no way you're going to be able to grow a Facebook group, you know, to this size. And I said, all right, you know, done, let's do it. So we spun up the group, took it to 2000 members in 30 days, took it to 3000 members. And I think 90 days, and now we're at 56, maybe 5,700 members. And we're seven months in, right? So mm. the, the target is to get to 10,000 people one year in, I think that is realistic to get there. It's taken us a little bit longer now because it's harder to grow a group that big, right? It, it gets harder as you get bigger to some level. Um, but it's starting to get better and better and better now. And I think for the people who are, um, you know, really good at what they do, they start to understand, Hey, it's important to do, to do Facebook groups, pay traffic and organic all together. The Facebook group uh -huh. is the easiest way to put out content and have people actually see it today. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, it's, it's kind of like, uh, like people talk a lot about like email lists and how powerful email lists are, but like it's you're pretty much doing like audience building and you're building an audience who's really interested in what you do and people might check their emails and might just skip through it but yeah. with your content they're scrolling through facebook and it's like very visual so yeah. therefore if they're seeing a quick video yeah. or like good copy that stands out they'll read it right because well, people well, that's aren't the speed. That's the speed thing too right of like we, what i was talking about before is like we don't put out the best content but we put out such short content that like by the time you think about not watching it's already done right? It's, mm. it's a minute to three minutes max, yeah. the, the short form content. So it's like, boom, content piece, boom, content piece. And it's just 
over and over and over again. It's across all the platforms, right? YouTube, uh, Facebook, in the Facebook group, on the personal page, on the business pages, on in the store, like it's everywhere. So it doesn't matter where you go, you're picking up that content. And so you're mm -hmm. right, people can't escape. Like they just get it. And it's so quick yeah. that they they watch the whole thing. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really powerful. Like I was talking to someone about content and they were saying like, if you have a prospect that watches, let's say a couple, like if you have people who are interested in your service that go through your funnel and watch a couple hours of your content already, once they're on the phone, they're already sold pretty much because yeah. they almost know you in a way. Like they're more than warm. They know you because this is the power of content. They get to get personal. You get, they get to know how you work, who you are, right? So that's really like it's a powerful, powerful tool. Um, what do you think is the number one, let's say, Let's say what are let's say the top three lessons you've learned building let's say your organic outbound business within the last few years. What are some of the biggest top lessons? Three. Um, number one, uh, appointments first. Always be appointment focused. There's this battle of do appointments, do fulfillment, do appointments, do. There needs to be someone in the business. Their only job is appointments. Whether it's a VA, domestic person, a setter, a closer, a lead generator, or whatever. You need one person. Their only job every day is not to look at fulfillment. It's to exclusively look at outbound and more leads. That's the first thing. So you have to have someone dedicated on that as soon as possible. If you're a one-person show, focus on that until you can't focus on that anymore, then hire someone. And if you're good at sales, hire fulfillment. If you're good at fulfillment, hire sales, right? But focus mm -hmm. on one part of it. Second thing, try your best to make a productized offer. So you can template and stamp the same process over and over again. When people get highly different results, variable results, it's typically because your SOPs or your processes aren't the same. And so customer A gets different input than customer B, than, than customer C. And so all three of them have different inputs, which means they get different outputs, right? So simplify your offer. Mm. So step one, yeah. uh, lead generator, one person on lead gen all the time. Step two, productize that offer. And then number three, look at performance-based offers. Look at ways that you can grow as your customers grow. Don't just look at static retainers, the $1,500, $2,000, $2,500 retainer flat rate. It's a lose-lose because you're going to hit a ceiling where you can't go any further. Try to build mm -hmm. offers where there's something on the back end, whether it's a rev share, a profit share, paper appointment, paper lead, paper book call, paper show, whatever, some kind of performance offer where as you do better, the, the audience does better. Mm -hmm. If you don't want that model, do implementations. We had a program for a long time. We still have it. We just don't push it a lot called implement and release. It was a $4,500 build, LinkedIn, email, text, and voicemail. Our big selling point that people liked was we build it, you own it, right? So we build the whole um, infrastructure and you own it. You never pay us again. If you're not going to do a performance offer, do an implementation offer like that so that people can get in and get out and know what their ROI is going to be. So again, one person on lead gen all the time, right? That's the, that's the most important thing. Make sure that you have a scalable offer. So productize it. And then the third thing is just make sure that you have a good service delivery that can be either performance-based or implementation-based. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. What do you think most agencies will be strictly performance-based in the future? No, no, no. probably not. Um, I think you're going to start seeing more and more people phase out of the agency space because it's starting to get a little bit harder to be good at stuff. I think there's yeah. definitely going to be platform shifts. You're seeing more TikTok agencies, content agencies, things like that. You're starting to see a, a paradigm shift where people are focusing on different types of work now. Mm -hmm. I think that's happening. Still the number one thing in my eyes is you got to be really, really focused on one thing so that you can productize that, right? So um, mm -hmm. our agency is going to go more performance-based. Some will, the good ones will. 
the ones who aren't that good won't. They'll just stay at a retainer and yeah. fizzle out at some point and you know, maybe in six, twelve, eighteen months they'll be gone. Yeah, yeah. Cause even if let's say you're offering a retainer but you're good at what you do, there there shouldn't be an issue. But performance based it's like a risk reversal, meaning people won't be scared to to work with you, you know. But it depends on what you're offering, right? Like if you let's say you're having a content agency, um you some so some type of agencies you can't 100 predict the revenue you're going to generate like i have a friend right now who runs like a sort of like a an organic a TikTok agency that just yep. creates content for brands yep. and he sometimes makes them a lot of money sometimes doesn't right it, it, yep. it's like a hit or miss like he's yep. able to create high quality content for them most of the time it goes viral but he can't predict an yep. x yep. amount of roi every okay. single month right so I agree. I agree hundred percent that that's a hard place to be. So performance-based remember doesn't always have to be rev share, profit share, pay per call, pay per mm. It can also yeah. be, Hey, we're month to month on these agreements, right? So mm -hmm. if you like it, you'll stay. If you don't, you'll leave right now. That's mm -hmm. dangerous. That's yeah. a double-edged sword because there's people yeah. who won't be committed on a month to month offer, which creates other kinds of problems. But in general, just having some performance component on it is like, Hey, we're retainer based 2,500 a month plus mm. 10% of top line revenue. Now mm. you have the front end and the back end, and now you're tied to their success. So it doesn't always have to be fully risk-based, but there needs to be yeah. something that allows you to perform more and get paid more for that performance. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, what have you noticed is like one of the most common mistakes people do in like, let's say they're like their outbound scripts, whether it's like with like LinkedIn, Facebook or email, what are, what are the few things? Cause sometimes it could be your offer. It could mm -hmm. be you know, targeting the right person. Like, what do you, what have you noticed is the most, like, I mean, it depends on who it is, right? But I, what do you think is the most common mistake? Bad offers. I mean, straight up, just, just bad offers, right? It, there's people, what they do is they have, they have an offer that's not good. And then they hmm. try to make up for it with copy that is not good. Right. So it's like, in, instead of just having, you know, lipstick on the pig, don't have a pig, right? Like build an offer that people want so that your copy is smooth and easy to understand and, and easy to write and all that. Because at the end of the day, you can tweet copy over and over and over again. If you don't have a good offer, it's it just doesn't matter. not going to work, right? You're, yeah. you're just hurting yourself to try to make better copy. Mm. And do you think the reason a lot of people don't have that much of a good offer is it because they lack the market? Re they don't understand their customers well enough? Yeah. Or it could be like related, like, because I think it leads back to if you understand your customer, you understand his problems, you'll be able to give him what he wants. And I mean, it depends too. So maybe it's like a lack of like, because maybe you, like the way you position yourself could be not the best way as well. So uh, that, that's true. I think most of the time it's ICP research, right? Ideal customer profile research, where they don't know what their customers have and they don't know the problems their customers have. If they do uh -huh. know their customer and the problems that the customers have, the thing they don't have is they don't know how to solve a bigger problem, mm. right? They solve for a small problem without a performance basis and then they can't grow. The bigger the problem you solve, the more you get paid. Like I tell people all the time, like go look at your bank account, right? the amount of money that's sitting there in your business bank account, right. Or personal, if you, if you own your business, right. It's a direct reflection of how much value you provide to the marketplace, the bigger your bank mm. account, the more valuable you are. People pay to solve yep. bigger problems. They pay more to solve more. That's how you have to yeah. think about this business model. Yeah. No, that's a really, I like, I like how you put it. Like that's like, I, that's a really straight way to put it, but it's facts. Like, yeah. because you, you can't lie to yourself. It's one thing I noticed, it's easy to tell yourself, like oh like it's someone else's problem on your team or it's your client's problem but it's hard to be honest with yourself and be like hey listen like i'm just not good enough or i didn't do xyz yep. or i didn't do what was required yep. 
Yeah. And being honest with yourself, really honest with yourself, gets you sometimes in the right direction, even yeah. though it hurts your ego. Yeah. But from what I've noticed, like recently as well, it's like okay, like have an honest self-assessment, and then you'll have more clarity to go where you gotta go, because then other people are gonna notice it. A hundred percent. And also a bank account's a good way to measure it. Like I understand there's going to be, you know, there's always haters are like money isn't everything. I get it. It's not everything. You're right. But it's an empirical way to measure your value to the marketplace, right? It, it's not mm. a subjective, oh, this guy's really good. Or oh, this guy's not like, that doesn't matter. You need a third party way to validate what you're doing. And if you don't have that, then you got to look at the bank account, right? How much value mm. do you provide, right? The reason a guy can make a million a year versus a guy who can make a million a month versus a guy who can make a million a week versus the guy who makes a million a day. Value, mm. Just straight up value, yeah. right? How much value do yeah. they provide? Typically, the bigger the corporations, the bigger the companies, the bigger the problems, the more they get paid. It's just the way mm. it is. Yeah, yeah. I heard as well, like a lot of people, like when they target a certain type of clientele, like they don't shoot high enough sometimes. Like if you were to like, let's say, work with bigger people, sometimes they're willing to pay you more and are satisfied with, let's say, like, not maybe even less like they they'll be happy with your work and you might not be push, putting as, as much as let's say a, a three thousand dollar client but let, they're like a ten thousand plus client but they're just completely happy with what you're doing yep so kind of shooting for high tier clients sometimes actually makes your life infinitely easier and it uh, for sure does there's no doubt about it that the we have nobody that complains about our service right so we obviously have winners and losers and everything we do Nobody yeah. who complains about our service has a scalable, strong business with lots of cash flow and is doing okay. It's always the bottom 10% that's the, the noise is. Oh, I needed this to work this way. Oh, I need my money back faster. I need to get an ROI quicker. Like it's always the guys at the bottom. I never get emails from top performers ever. Like, hey, I wasn't mm. satisfied. It's always the guys at the bottom. Oh, mm. well, this, I needed this. I need that. It's like, listen, the, we deliver the same productized service to everybody your success or failure is a reflection of your business, not our business, right? Mm. If people don't want what you have, that's not my problem. It becomes my problem because you're like, hey, I don't like the result, but it's your problem. You need to look inwards before you start stabbing daggers at other people, right? You just need to yeah. look and say, okay, what am I doing wrong in the business so that you can move that needle further? Mm, that's good. That's good. Um, I've, I heard, I've talked to a few business owners. Some people think it's hard. It's, it's like almost impossible for them to acquire clients on Facebook um what do you like some people might just focus on only email would you think it's important for you to focus on um one method of outreach at first and then expand from there because so both, on what you're I, and where your clients are yeah i think about it both ways right i i think you should put a bunch of fishing poles into the water to start meaning multiple uh -huh. channels so try a little bit of email try a little bit of facebook try a little bit of linkedin like put the fishing poles in and as soon as you start getting some nibbles on 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 one area get rid of the other two and go in on that, right? So, because you can't put all your effort into everything all at once, but at the beginning, if you just say on Facebook and that's the only place you go, LinkedIn might be better, email might be better. You don't know until you try it, right? It's like trying mm. cream flavors. You don't yeah. know if you like it or don't like it if you just keep getting the same flavor over and over again. So yeah. try a couple things. When you get some winners, go really deep on those winners, then get that up to every channel should be able to get you at least 50 grand monthly recurring. Once you get to that, then you can add a second and third channel, right? That, that's not right. Whether yeah. it's paid or organic or Facebook or LinkedIn or SMS or Instagram shoutouts or just Instagram organic, whatever content, yeah. YouTube, whatever. You can spin those channels up, but the first 50 grand in every business, you should be able to do on one channel, no problem. This is like really, really good point. Like I think people, whoever's listening, like take note because 
many people will try like about marketing or like they'll try to do like some outreach on one channel and it doesn't work and they just quit and like you could have tried let's say you tried let's say i don't know facebook you tried to go acquire clients on facebook you said oh it doesn't work for me i'm just going to go directly to paid ads when maybe you would have tried linkedin and then that would change your business forever right absolutely. so and you and like i said it's just like the ice cream flavors you got to try it right and you got to try it long enough for it to actually work you can't just say hey i tried facebook for two weeks two mm. weeks you're trying to make a million dollars and you take saturdays and sundays off yeah like the problem yeah. isn't the channel the problem is you mm. yep right 100%. so that, that's the way and that hard, hard work ethic is actually really hard to come by i know there's a lot of people who work hard and people who work long working hard is not doing stuff that you love Working hard is when you don't like it, but you keep doing it anyways. That's where hard work comes from. When it's Saturday morning at six o'clock and nobody's awake and you get up and you put in that extra two hours so that next week you're even better off. You're more optimized. You have more SOPs. You have better direction. Or Sunday comes around and you do your accounting on Sunday so you don't have to take away from Monday to Friday. That mm -hmm. is hard work. Yeah, totally agree. Because it's easy to be a hard worker when you're doing stuff you want to do. Yeah. Then... Uh, when you got to do the stuff that's necessary, but you hate doing, and it's like, oh, I could just delegate it to someone else when, but you got to do it. And yeah, uh, I totally agree with you on this one. Um, it, what would you recommend, let's say, for, let's say, up and coming entrepreneurs who have, uh, let's say, a skill, let's say, I don't know, it could be SEO, it could be Google ads. And right now they're struggling to acquire clients. They're like, they have a client or two, but they're struggling to acquire clients or organically. Would you say, I mean, the first thing is like to start outreach because I think let's, a lot of entrepreneurs are stuck where they don't have the type of money to just go crazy on paid ads mm -hmm. and they don't really know how to go about it in terms of organic, outbound, right? So what, what would be your piece of advice for people in that situation? Yeah. So a couple things. First of all, calendar control. Okay. Calendar control. You must have three days a week that you do sales in two days a week, Mondays and Fridays that you don't do sales. Now, the reason you do this is so that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're very heavy on sales, taking a lot of appointments. Monday and Friday, you work on the business, right? Or you do content right. or something on it. You must have calendar control so you can stack the calendar and do the same thing over and over again, three days a week. That gives you Monday and Friday to work on the business and Saturday and Sunday to relax and unplug if that's what you need. So calendar control first. Second thing, don't go into a niche niche your service, not the audience. So don't do SEO for plumbers. Do SEO for local businesses until you sign 50 customers. Then you can start verticalizing or going into a niche, an audience mm -hmm. niche. There's yeah. no niche your skills. You as an individual, you as a company, niche the skills of the company. Don't niche who you go after. SEO for plumbers is no different than SEO for carpenters, which is no different than SEO for HVAC. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. some nuances within each space, but the skill is the SEO piece, not the audience you go after. So first of all, calendar control Mondays and Fridays, get rid of those, sell only Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, pack the calendar as hard as you can during those days, take half hour calls, do not do two calls, do not do demos, get really good at talking to people on a 30 minute call and make offers, send everyone an agreement, take Mondays and Fridays off, and then don't niche your audience, niche your skill so that you can just do the same skill over and over again. They can go wider with your outbound. That's what I'd recommend. Yeah, that's good. That's a that's a bomb right there that you just dropped. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you in terms of the like the Monday and Friday. Like, I think that's really, really important. But to be honest, like 
you, you got to fill up your calendar is is super important um for people out there like oh i don't know how to get started first of all you could just go on connor's facebook group because i mean you've you've dropped a lot of value for people who even want to get started and who want to learn about more outbound or how it works how like i've i've scrolled through your content there's like there's like more valuable info than courses no joke Try right. to give it all away, right? We want to yeah. have it ahead of time. So it's all yeah. 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 So people, guys, you guys could go check out in the description if you guys want to check out Connor's group. It's really good. Um, like it's one of the few groups I've found that like the value in there is just like really like like it's very like transparent. Like a lot of groups I've been in, people don't they post content, but it's like filtered in a way. Like it doesn't I don't know, like it doesn't solve the, the whole problem, right? It solves eight out of ten percent. You know, it's like it, it's just enough that you have to buy their thing. My belief is give everything, and if you want help, then you'll you'll work with us. So. Yeah, I don't know, love that. That's awesome. Um, I, I'm gonna ask you a couple more questions, and then sure. you go because I know your time's valuable. Yeah, yeah, um, let's do it. What's your vision within for the next three years, whether it's in your life, your business, or whatever it may be? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. So the vision's pretty clear. Um, we're going to have 100 Airbnbs um, in the investment portfolio in the next three years. So the 100 doors, um, which will be a mix of uh, duplex, triplex, quadplex, single family homes, maybe a couple multi-units. Um, business, we're going to try to acquire three or four more businesses in different verticals. We're going to have a couple SaaS companies that we're working on a SaaS company right now that's okay. going to be a little bit more broad. Um, that those are going to be important. And then um, we're not necessarily going to work on an exit strategy, but we're going to work on a cash flow strategy where we replace our um, expenses, our living expenses with a monthly recurring revenue that doesn't require us. The reason mm. we want to do that is because, um, you know, I'm financially independent right now at 28, fully independent, right? I could stop working for 30 years and be okay uh, because we have enough monthly recurring that comes in. That's mm. not true for everybody all the time, but that's a really good place to be. As we build the real estate portfolio more and more and more, that will become more and more passive and we'll have more and more people that can handle that. So that's kind of the vision over the next three years. Um, I think, you know, averaging $10 million a year within one company will be the, the next target. Um, as a whole, we have multiple companies right now that, that together do substantially more than $10 million a year. But um, do one company with one or two offers doing 10 million a year is the, the next target. So that, that'll awesome. definitely happen in the next yeah. four years. Yeah, no, I could see it. Um, what are, do you think, what are the most important traits to become a successful um, entrepreneur, you think? Or what are the most, yeah, like the, that you've noticed, you know, because you talked to a lot of people as well. Yeah, and, you know, so. That, that, that is true. That's a good way to look at it. Um, a couple things. So number one, you got to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. I know I'm not a good finance guy. I don't like being in QuickBooks. I don't like doing accounting. So my business partner, Keith, he does it. And we have an accounting team. We have a full-time accounting person, accounts receivable, accounts payable that manages for us. I'm not good at it. I'm not trying to be good at it. I don't like it. Get rid of it, right? So you have to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. And then what you are good at, do a lot of that, right? Do a ton mm. of that. If you're good at content, do content. If you're good at ads, do ads. If you're good at outbound, do outbound. Do the thing you're good at. Don't mm -hmm. just hire people because you're lazy. What a lot of guys will do is say, oh, well, I want a lifestyle business. Well, listen, you don't build lifestyle businesses in six months. You build lifestyle businesses over a lifetime, right? You, mm -hmm. you can set up systems. You can take less money. Maybe you say, I only want to make five grand a month and I'd rather just have everything run for me. Okay, well, 
build that. That's still going to take you some time to get there. So don't mm -hmm. build a business for the purpose of lifestyle. If you want lifestyle, then go find someone else's product to sell and become a salesperson. Cause that's the easiest lifestyle thing. Take 20 calls yeah. a week, close deals, collect 10 to 20 grand a month, and you can have good lifestyle. I wouldn't advise that cause that's not really that exciting and not purpose driven, but if yeah. that's what you want, go be a sales rep. If you want to build a company then you want to build something that's going to help you long-term build it. But then the most important part, save the money, not in a checking account, but save the money into a vehicle that makes sense. Buy real estate, buy stocks, buy crypto, buy something that's going to create long-term wealth. Don't take all the money and blow it, right? There's mm. lots of guys out there that make way less money than me and spend way more money than me, right? And they, uh -huh. think that they make way less and they spend way more. That's a problem, right? Yeah. For me, I live on as little as possible and deploy the cash into something that's useful, not something that's not uh -huh. useful. So you have to deploy the cash and you have to push into something that's going to help you. Again, yeah. stocks and bonds, life insurance policies where you can infinite bank, uh, you could go into real estate. It doesn't really matter, but you have to have a vehicle. Your business is just the engine or the vehicle to make you cash. Then you take the cash and put it into something else that's going to make you more cash. You yeah. got to do that ASAP. Yeah, pretty much taking that money, putting it to assets and not liabilities. And then it's about how much you're keeping. Sometimes not how much you make, but how much you're keeping. And then actually how much you make makes a difference. But like, like you were saying, there's people who make a good amount, but the thing is they don't keep that much. So at the end of the day, they're not, they don't got that much money, right? So it's just right. like, they're not very smart about it. Um, big wasters, right? Lots of food and lots of eating out, really yeah. expensive cars that you never drive. And then a uh -huh. home that's way bigger than what you need. You don't need a 15,000 square foot home. You do not need to drive a $200,000 car. You do not need yeah. to eat out seven nights a week. There are lots of things you could do. You could probably, you know, make some food at home, buy a reasonable car, like, maybe a thousand bucks a month or less on your lease or, or payment, right? Keep it under uh -huh. that and buy a home. That's a small portion. My, my belief on financial independence is this, your car should be less than 1% of your income. Okay. Your uh -huh. home should be less than 5% of your income annualized. Right? So uh -huh. if you make $10,000 a month, right? Your car payment would be a hundred bucks. Now uh -huh. you can say, okay, well that doesn't exist. Okay. Well, yeah. If that doesn't exist, make more money. If you make 200 yeah. grand a month and keep your car payment at $200. And that seems huh. extreme, right? To have that, right? Yeah. But think about this. You will always be financially free when you have a $200 car payment making 200 plus thousand dollars a year. You'll never have a problem. Right? Never. Same yeah. reason if you had a thousand dollar home or a two thousand dollar home and you kept it under, you know, well under 5%, you'll never have huh. a problem either, right? Mm. But yeah. income, you're right. Income has to be there. You want tax deferral strategies because you make 200 grand, but you give 100 grand away in tax. That's a real problem. So you have to have some strategies around that. But keep yeah. your car under 1%, your home under 5%, and then pay your future self more than you pay your current self. So whether that's a life insurance policy, like an IUL or a whole life policy, or that's just an index fund, mutual fund, whatever, you want to be paying yourself on payroll, W-2 salary, uh -huh. less than what you pay yourself into the future. Always, 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 right? Very, yeah. very important that you do that. If you're not doing that, you will never be financially free. Damn, this was some gold right there. Um, one more question. If let's say you were to give yourself advice to your younger self, I mean, you're, you're quite well off right now, but like if you had to give yourself one piece of advice to your younger self when you were starting, what would it be? Yeah, and don't go, that one's easy. Don't go to school. Um, one thing that I've learned is 
pretty much everything that's in school is designed for W2 employee type stuff. Are there some skills uh-huh. that you learn in school? Absolutely. Communication, you know, team building, stuff like that. You can learn yeah. all those skills without actually going to school and taking on the debt. Number one reason people early stay on. in jobs yeah. is because of debt, right? They just stay, they stay yeah. in the jobs. They're like, Hey, I got this debt payment. I have to make for student loans. And then you kill your dreams. You kill your opportunities and your dreams. Cause you're so worried about paying back debt. Number one thing is this, like, do not go to school if you're going to be an entrepreneur, there's no need to, you don't need yeah. to waste the time, money, energy, and effort. You lose four years, you lose opportunity costs. Let's say you run an okay business and you make a hundred thousand uh-huh. a year. Uh-huh. Right? That's yeah. four years that cost you 400 grand plus the hundred grand that you actually spent to go to school. So now you have yeah. 500 grand and the hundred grand you borrowed has interest. So now yeah. you're really screwed. Now you got a hundred thousand dollars. You're going to pay over the next 20 years back. Plus the 400,000 you could have made. If you just yeah. would have banked all that money, Mm-hmm. You'd be a millionaire by 30. Most people who yeah. go to school from 20 to 24, no problem. So yeah. th- just good decision-making. I'm not saying school's bad. Um, it's one of those. I'm not, I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm, I've been, I've been, I've been preaching this because I'm like, I'm 19. Most of my friends are like in their early twenties. And I'm like, think, think well about like, I believe like time is your biggest asset. I realized that really early on. So I'm like, okay, I got to invest my time in the right things and the right information. So first of all, let's say if I want to become like a phenomenal marketer, let's say a good copywriter, or I want to be um, a really good content creator. I got to learn from people who are already good at what they do, work on the side, take my money, invest in them, learn from them, reverse engineer the whole thing. And then that's going to fast track my process. And then it just makes more sense than going to school, spending four years being surrounded by not always the right people. Cause right. Having the white quality circle is big super important during those four years. Like I know I'll be making, I'm going to, I keep making amazing connections with other people who are also like mine. Like the opportunity cost is just too great. Right. And those like, I like, once you understand, like I've, once you understand the value of time, like a lot of people don't understand the value of time. But if you understand early on, I do believe it's a serious advantage. And I feel like you, you've taken the most out of like you, you've went to university, but you still made the most out of your time after and been able to capitalize and, and build a successful business. So, um, hundred percent. Yeah. Connor, it's been an awesome pod. This has been one of the most value um, packed podcasts I've, I've had so far. Um, thank you so much for, for hopping on. If, if anyone wants to get in contact with you or, or work with you, what's the best way for them to get in contact? With you? Yeah. Two, two ways. Um, so Facebook group is facebook.com slash groups slash organic outbound secrets. You can check that out. There's 5,600 members, fellow entrepreneurs, you know, people trying to grow their businesses. So facebook.com slash groups slash organic outbound secrets. Or if you like join dot organic outbound secrets.com that'll just redirect you to the group that's join J O I N dot organic outbound secrets.com. Okay. Um, if you want to email me, Connor at syntax.com, C O N N O R at S Y N T A C Z.com. Shoot me an email, try to help you out. We have a bunch of free trainings we'll give to you, um, in the group or anywhere you want, just email me and let me know what you're looking for and happy to give it away. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much again. And guys, make sure to go check out his group. Like I said, I'm in it as well. It's super valuable. You guys will definitely learn a ton and, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks again. And, uh, yeah, make sure you guys, uh, also take some notes from, from this podcast because this has been super valuable i've learned a ton and so thank you again for your time connor this has been 